Jesus said in John 16, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And that includes our children. He will guide our children in the truth. And so let's not hinder them from coming to Christ. Welcome to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing. My name is Brent Nelson. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at The Landing, and we like to talk about our vision of hope and hoping in Christ through this podcast ministry. We hope as you listen, you will hear the Word of God and conversations about the Word of God that are life-giving and effective and even edifying for you. Thanks for clicking in. With me today is my partner in ministry service, a dear brother in the Lord, Andrew Ross. Welcome, Andrew. Glad for your pastoral ministry here at The Landing. Well, glad to be here. There's a special uh, element of today's conversation. We have a dear friend and and co-servant in ministry with us, David Michael. Uh, David, you're on by phone. Welcome to Life in Christ podcast. This is indeed a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, remind us where you, uh, where you reside. You're serving with Truth78 Ministries, and you're Home base is Indianapolis, is that right? That's correct. Central Indiana. Never thought I'd be here, but here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to spend out my days in Minnesota, but God had other plans. Yes. Well, I'm glad for his good plans. I'm also glad that I think you get to make your way back to Minnesota from time to time, and that's a joy as well. Our specific conversation today is all about the, the glorious vision that you and Sally uh, and Truth78 and many churches, really, throughout the history of the 2,000 years of Christ Church have embraced, and that is children, really from a very young age, entering into the entire worship service on the Lord's Day, singing, um, praying, hearing the Word as it comes to them, and, and as it comes to them, not only as an individual child, but as part of a family, uh, as they're watching it land with weight and power and glory and sweetness upon their parents or sometimes grandparents uh, and family members and friends, experiencing the sweetness of being in the assembly as the, as the scriptures use. That vision of children in worship, you and Sally have put out in a wonderful booklet. I would encourage any of our listeners to get a hold of this orange booklet. It's not very old. It was published, uh, looks like just within the last few years, 2017, so it's only about six years old. Tremendous resource. We give these away here at The Landing. If you're listening to us today and you haven't read through this orange book, Andrew, wouldn't you suggest this would be a great place to start? Absolutely. I've read it through twice. I like it so much, and I've given many of them away. Uh, David, what prompted you to write the Children in the Worship Service booklet, the one we're talking about? What was the, what was the spark that said, we need to get this, this vision out in print? Well, like uh, so many of our resources, our heart is to really serve the church in the discipleship of the next generation. And there are a number of questions that often come up as we travel around and speak in various settings. And one of the most common questions has to do with children in the worship service. And for children's ministry leaders, it can be a point of tension, both you've got leadership within the church that has differing views about whether children or not should be in there. And then they hear us talk about the value of children being 
in worship with with the rest of the congregation and um and sometimes children's workers feel caught in the middle and we just felt like uh, what was needed was just a simple straightforward case for why um, children benefit from and why the congregation benefits or how the congregation benefits when the whole congregation gathers including children in worship and so we want to cast a vision for that and create a tool that um, people that uh, are trying to make a case for that, perhaps this can help. Yeah. Well, and that really is uh, an application of the larger vision and ministry that, uh, that, uh, that many churches have and that Truth78 communicates well, and that is the idea that worship is the highest gathering in the week. And uh, worship is the the activity that we do for no other fi- purpose beyond it, but as an end in itself, and a, a kind of preparation only, as it were, for the worship service, unending with the Lord in glory in the new heavens and the new earth. Can I can I throw in a, a yeah. just a just a clarifier as you both are talking about worship and the worship service? What what do we mean by the worship service? Yeah, that's a great question. I know when I use that phrase, I'm thinking about. The Sunday morning, uh, Lord's Day gathering of all the different ages to respond to the Word of God with the highest praise we as a local congregation might have. Mm-hmm. So that's a helpful question, and and I, I I learned the vision very much through your pastoral ministry, David, at Bethlehem Baptist Church, and then through materials like this. But I've also seen it in lots and lots of other churches throughout church history and in other writings, and in other parts of the world even, as I've visited other places of the world, this is a, a very common experience. When, when you think, David, of scriptural passages that give you a clear foundation for children in worship, which ones kind of bubble to the top? Which ones come to mind? Well, really, you know, if you look at scriptures, um, the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about children specifically being in worship. It really is assumed that they are in worship. And in fact, even as recently as, you know, certainly within my lifetime, when I was young, there, there was just no, no other option. It was just assumed children were in worship. And I think it's only been, you know, in my adult lifetime that we've seen churches offering alternatives for children being in worship. And one of the reasons why the Bible is relatively silent on the topic is because it was just assumed that children were in worship. And and you can see that in both the Old Testament gatherings. There's very specific texts where you can turn to that show children were obviously present in the gathering of God's people, there would be several texts like Joshua, Joshua 8, 34. He's reading the book of the law before the people. Verse 35, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. It just assumed. That was a long Bible reading. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and you, I mean, you can just hear somebody saying, well, 
children just don't have the attention span to be able to stay there. But it was just, I mean, they didn't even think about it. Another one, Second Chronicles 2013. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And you, you could point to several other texts in the Old Testament. And then when you get to the New Testament, it's clear, especially in the epistles, Paul just assumes children are going to be there to hear the reading of his letter. So he says in Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents and the Lord. He's assuming that they're going to be there. So he's directing his attention to them. So David, would you say, you know, it, as you see it, it's, it's assumed throughout the scriptures. So the few times it's mentioned in the Bible where it says like the little ones and the children were there, then does that help us read the rest of the Old Testament and the New to say like when Judah gathered or when Israel gathered, we can assume there that that includes the children because there are these few passages where it makes it explicit. You, it helps us just see that this was just a norm. Right, right. And therefore, it was not a controversial subject as far as I can tell. And it's really only since we've offered way more programming specific opportunities for our children specific programs that it's become an issue. So, I mean, back to your comment about the value of worship and that we were created for worship and we should give our children that same opportunity. Some would argue, well, that's why we want to pull children together, sing the kind of worship songs that they can relate to and that they can identify with. And I would just say to that, there there is no way that you can create the same kind of dynamic that happens on Sunday morning when God's people come, the proclamation of the word, the exaltation of God in worship. You just can't get whatever number of people you've got together all worshiping together. You just can't create that in a children's worship service. Well, and I'm I'm adding to that by saying we're happy to have a nursery for the ones that are uh, in need of specific physical care from their moms or from nursery caregivers. When we're also happy to uh, invest and endorse and celebrate ministries like Kids Club on Wednesday nights and other ministries that are aimed at the Sunday school hour at developmental stages where every kid and every youth person and every young adult and adult can have the Word of God applied to their lives in age-specific ways. So we we're at the landing very happy to support uh, developmentally customized ministries for all the ages. It just seems that when we're at the moment of the highest gathering, when the Lord is about to address us in power as a collected assembly of his people, and we know as adults that we've prayed and cried out and invested and yearned for the Lord to speak with clarity and boldness and power to us in that gathering— I almost can't imagine wanting those who are most precious to me and my family excluded from that. Do you have a thought, Andrew? Yeah. You know, I love the, you know, saying we love Sunday school, love Wednesday nights, but there's something, the gathering of God's people together, young and old. I've heard you say, David, that if if you had to, if somebody came up to you and said, I have to choose between the Sunday morning gathering or Sunday school, Obviously, we don't. We would love to say no. Come to both. But if somebody had to choose, you would say 
that Sunday morning worship gathering. So how would you describe like what's going on when the whole church gathers that cannot happen just in Sunday school, though we love Sunday school? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just on that comment, I do say that often. And it's one of the cases that I make for parents. So if you know anything about True 78, you know we're committed to the instruction both Sunday morning at church and at home of our of our children. And that discipleship is crucial to the development of our children spiritually. And I would last thing I would want to do is to say to a parent, um, keep them from the this discipleship opportunity, especially if they're using True 78 material and written <laughs> That's right. for exactly. that purpose. That's right. And and yet, as much as I believe that, and people who know me know that I really believe that, I would say if you have to choose between that and bringing your children in to worship, I say hands down, bring them into worship. Again, because there's an experience there that we cannot create anywhere else. And I think the value of a child growing up, observing their ch- their parents and other people engaged in worship, watching dad and mom humble themselves under the word, watching mom and dad lift their hands in worship to the Lord. And I just think the benefit of just the example of other people around them and the pattern building into our children a pattern of gathering with God's people on a regular basis. I've, you know, we all probably heard the statistics about children growing up in the church and going to Sunday school their whole life and going to church. And when they leave home, they quit going, they drop out. And in some cases, I want to wonder have they even been included in the church growing up or have they been so segmented from the life of the, the, at the, the center of life at the church that they've had no real significant corporate experience that they would even desire that when they leave. Yes. So it ends up getting us back to a vision of parenting and a vision of the local church. Right. And the power of the Holy spirit. So there's a mindset that assumes that when the church gathers like this, that the Holy Spirit is at work among the adults, but the assumption that he's not at necessarily um, working in the hearts of the children through preaching that's over their head and hymns that have words that they don't understand. And everybody have be- has barriers that have to be overcome. The word is being preached and the Holy Spirit's there to help. And why should we assume that the Holy Spirit cannot overcome the intellectual barriers or the maturity, lack of maturity that our children have? The Holy Spirit, or Jesus said in John 16, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And that includes our children. He will guide our children Amen. in the truth. Amen. And so let, let's not hinder them from coming to Christ. Yeah, and that's so encouraging, David. That's just tremendous. That's, that's, a, that's a sweet reminder that stirs my thinking. I, I imagine Mary arriving to visit Elizabeth 
And before he's born, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb responds to Christ's presence. Absolutely. Yeah. With joy. Yeah. One of the things that we want to try to provide for those listening, it's been so helpful to read through the materials and to encounter uh, all of the presentations that True78 has been helpful to put out as well as other conversations. But it's always a practical conversation in part because you want to turn to moms and dads who are looking a little bit like a deer in the headlights, to use a Minnesota expression, uh, how do I do this? How do I prepare my three or four kids on Saturday or even during the week so that I'm not dragging them to the worship service as they're coming resistant, kicking and screaming, but there's a family excitement and anticipation and joy. When you've talked with with family members, uh, parents who are thinking through these practical questions, David, what are some of the points of wisdom and counsel you've offered that have proven helpful over the years? Well, I think one of the reasons why I encourage parents to start early is that you habits are much easier to form when children are younger, even though they have their wiggles and their distractions, and they can be distracting. It really, in one sense, becomes initially a training issue and an expectation that I just remember I'm, I have personal experience with my my two daughters and then my own experience growing up. I was pretty challenged. I, I think I would have been labeled with something. <laughs> I would just have trouble sitting still and staying in my seat. And I'm sure I was a handful in the pew, but I, I learned, I learned to sit and I benefited from it. And my parents, I mean, they didn't have any other options and their goal was mainly for me to behave. And I would, I would want to encourage parents to dream a bigger dream than merely getting my child to behave in church. Is there a way that I could train them, disciple them? So, so one of the challenges that we face in our ministry is just trying to help the church to look beyond programs for children to a discipleship mentality. And so you um, at the landing should be thinking, okay, one of the ministries that we have to offer families with children in this church is the corporate gathering, that this is children's ministry. Children's discipleship is happening here. And that, that what parents are doing here with their little children is that they're training them. Yeah. And very early, so one one simple strategy that we've given the parents that seems to be helpful is teach your child to engage with the service. It's it's easy to get them engaging around the singing and the worship time, or it's a little less challenging. And I think just in that respect, teach children the songs that they will encounter in corporate worship. I'm all for Father Abraham and scratch another back, scratch the back next to you or climb, <laughs> climb up Sunshine Mountain. But those are never songs. Those are not songs that you're going to be singing 
in corporate worship, teach your children. So whatever your collection of hymns that are come, because when a, when a child, even a pre-reader, if they hear a song that they know, and if they know the words, they can participate rather than just sit there and hum along. Um, so that's a very practical step that parents can take, Sunday school teachers can take, as you have a worship time in your Sunday school gathering, teach the kids the songs that they're going to be singing in worship. Another real simple strategy that I just love is you sit down uh, with your child ahead of time and uh, take a look at the text that's going to be preached. Are there words that are going to come up in the sermon that that child can listen for? And take a real basic one, like God. Let's hear how many times um, Pastor Brent uses the word God in this message. And here's, here's a piece of paper. And every time you hear Pastor Brent say God, you put a little mark on the paper. And let's see how many times he does it. Okay. So you think, well, what spiritual benefit is there to having a child make a mark every time he hears the word God? Well, the benefit is you're teaching him to listen to you rather than bringing out the coloring books and the devices or whatever to distract them from listening to you. You're teaching them to listen to you. And that's kind of relates to my issue with where there, there is a common practice where you bring the kids in for the singing, but as soon as the sermon, until the sermon comes up and then you dismiss the kids or out come the coloring books, and we're conditioning children to think that, okay, in the front end of the service, that's for me to engage with. But as soon as that guy stands up there, it's time for me to disconnect. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just wonder how many adults are sitting out there in the morning service who have been conditioned since childhood to think as soon as he stands up there, it's time for me to shift my attention to something else. And so that's just basic discipleship, right? You're teaching that child to engage and listen. Well, and that discipleship vision even enables and, em- and embraces the idea that if a parent needs to, after all efforts, take the child out for a conversation, as I did with our son and daughter, even that fits under discipleship because it's a gospel conversation about right. my right. son or my daughter interacting with me as dad, as well as uh, remembering that we're worshiping the Lord together as a family. And that's the purpose for what we're doing here. Yeah. And that really brings up an important part too. I think parents need to be sensitive because children can become disruptive. And you, as much as I believe children should be in worship, they should not hinder the church. And so so what you did there with your son was really important. Parents need to be sensitive that if screaming or whatever, they need to be sensitive to the people around them. And just as if, you know, you started coughing uncontrollably, you would leave. Yes, too, sure. Yeah. Until yeah. you got things under control, that mindset. But then I think the other thing to cultivate patience and grace within the congregation. And if the congregation, rather than being annoyed 
by a child's behavior or whatever, take the moment to pray for that child and just pray that God would take all that self-assertive will of, of this child and use it, that strong will, use it for that child to become mm. strong will determined for follower of Jesus Christ or, um, or just pray for, pray for those dear parents right now who are struggling with this. Child. Pray that the word would still benefit them and pray, give them grace. And so if the congregation just is in this with the parents and just say, we're, we're wanting this child, we, we welcome this child here. We want them to grow. That spirit in the congregation is so important. So good. So good. Wonderful stuff. Very helpful. Uh, just thinking along those lines and, and applying it even in broader ways, what would you say, David, for, say, the people who are uh, doing announcements, praying, the worship team leader as he's picking songs, the person praying, the person preaching, how can they be thoughtful to children in the worship service? That's a great question. And I think you almost answered it. Be thoughtful of the children in the worship service. It, it doesn't mean that you have to sing Father Abraham. Um, and I'm not big on children's sermons. I encourage pastors, if, if you just every once in a while say, kids, listen up. Or I've got or give an illustration that kids in particular can identify with. Um, that you're you're just acknowledging they're part of the, the congregation. It's reinforcing for everybody in the room that yes, kids are part of this congregation. And if you in your message, in your sermon, give an illustration that kids can particularly identify with, nine times out of ten, the adults are gonna benefit. For worship leaders, I, I would just say in constructing the worship service, give children the opportunities to participate in a way that's appropriate. So having them read scripture, perhaps, or I've seen children have worked with the, been part of the usher team uh, so that children are visible. I think, you know, one really precious moment I remember where the worship leader built into the worship set Jesus loves me, this I know. And the voice of the congregation changed in that moment when all of a sudden all these kids joined with the adults. They were singing out, and it, and I just realized it was beautiful. It was as I think heaven will be, where you've got all of God's people there worshiping, and children add to the voice of the congregation if we let them. And so, just being sensitive, being aware that children are there and including them in the various aspects of your worship life together. That's so good. That's so good. We've, we've just begun to touch on the topic, but uh, David, we want to thank you for fielding our questions and causing our hearts to burn with a vision of God's glory. Andrew, I think, has one more. He wants to uh, 
to engage with you on. Just one last quick thing, David, don't want to keep you too long, but I was so blessed by being able to join in with the live stream you recently did on um, discipling your family. So parents discipling their children. And, and you gave a word to grandparents, which is obviously something very near and dear to your heart. How could you encourage grandparents who are saying, I want to be pointing my grandchild to Christ. How do I do that? Maybe they live far away and, and I want to still be actively involved in that. Would you mind just giving a, a word to that? Wow. Limit myself to just a word. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I would say that the responsibility that parents have for the discipleship of the next generation extends to the grandparents. So I think every grandparent should be as passionate for the faith of their grandchildren as they are for their own children and and to do what they can given their circumstances. It is different um, depending on the situation. So my grandchildren are all 17 hours away. The most effective impact I can have, we, we do various things, um, but prayer is probably the most intentional impactful thing I can do for them. So I'm praying for my grandchildren every day. And I put together this little book called Big Bold Biblical Prayers for the Next Generation. And ultimately, we know that we can have the best material in the world and we can bring our children to worship every Sunday. But unless God moves on the heart of our children, all of these efforts are in vain. And I If we do nothing else, this idea of praying, not just God bless Joshua, God bless Anna, God bless Katie, but what is a big, bold, biblical prayer? And the the way I illustrate this, just for my own daughter, Christy, who lives with us here, she's disabled and struggling with a very difficult life-threatening disease. And I pray every single day that God would heal Christy. And God's been pleased not to answer that prayer. And it's okay because there's nowhere in the Bible that I can go be able to pray with confidence that God is going to heal her on the side of heaven. The Bible does not assure me of that. Um, it assures me that suffering is inevitable for us all, but not that. The second prayer I pray is, Lord, would you grant that Christie's faith not fail? And he has answered that prayer every day. And which of those two prayers is the most miraculous? And I really believe it's the second one, that that she believes and is trusting God and not shaking her fist at him right now is, is miraculous. And and there are hundreds of biblical prayers that just take your vision for your grandchild and conform that to what the Bible promises. So, uh, and I've in the booklet, um, I've got a, a number of sample prayers that I've prepared for the children in our church and in my family that will give people the idea. But so, Alongside that main thing, then there's dozens of 
other things you can do. There's a great ministry out there called uh, the Legacy Coalition. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, they have um, this, what they call uh, Grand Monday Nights. And it's a podcast where they just talk about um, grandparenting and specific practical things you can do to build faith into the life of your children. But that would be a great resource for any grandparent. Great. Legacy Coalition. We'll, we'll check it out. David, again, thank you so much. This has been great. Rich and full of wonderful insights and stirring, uh, faith-increasing uh, vision. Thank you for investing some time in this conversation with us. We appreciate Truth78. We appreciate you and Sally, and we love you both. We thank you for the opportunity to pray along with Truth78 and to pray along with a publishing of great materials, as well as to pray with you for Christy and for your uh, rest of your family members. Uh, they, they come to mind even as I think about praying for Christy's healing and for her encouraged and sustaining faith. Uh, Thank you so much, David. We really appreciate this conversation. Thank you. It's been a blessing. Andrew, would you close our time in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Well, God, we do thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your love for children. God, we thank you that you call all of us your children who have trusted in you, who you have saved. God, we ask that you would be with True 78, be with David and Sally, be with the team they have there. Would you bless them? Would you give them all that they need to do, all that you've called them to do? Would you uh, keep them faithful? We ask that you would bless them and keep them faithful and help them to grow in the knowledge of you day by day. We ask that you would bless the endeavors that they are doing, whether it be writing or live streams or this podcast, whatever you have them do next, would you bless it? Would you help cause it to be glorifying to you and to be used for the advancement of joy among all of your people? We ask that you would uh, continue to be with Christy and you'd heal her. And even more so, would you keep her faithful? We ask that you would continue to be with us here at The Landing. Would you cause us to love more deeply than we do already the vision of having children in the worship service? We pray that you would draw each of the little ones who come into The Landing to yourself. Would you save them? Would you cause them to be strong? Would you cause them to be courageous? Would you give them faith? Would you cause them to persevere? And we ask that you would bring them home and they would hear, well done, good and faithful servant, for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing Church. We've been talking with David Michael, who's the co-founder and executive director of Truth78. Go to truth78.org. See the vision that they have there, the resources, the curricula, all the things that have been written and published by David and Sally Michael and their team and translated, it looks like, into 25 languages, a global uh, reach for the cause of children glorifying God through faith in Jesus Christ. David, thanks for being with us. Andrew, thanks for the conversation. Cole Grace, our producer engineer, thank you for serving us in such a gracious way. And thanks to the Lord God uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ who has enabled us and, and strengthened us to carry out a ministry in his name. If you're not a part of a church, welcome to come visit us at The Landing. If you have a church home, dive into it, invest in it, pray, worship, serve, give, Uh, bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ in your church home. Thank you for tuning in to Life in Christ and listening to this podcast. God bless you, and we look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. 
This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church.